peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. What's going on, guys? Coming to you live from the coffee shop here. It's called A Latte Coffee. Our cafe. Um, we've been coming here pretty much every single morning since we've gotten into Norfolk. But uh, we did a podcast on pretty much what we're going to be looking at in terms of breaking down um, the TSAC conference that we're at. And you know, one thing we wanted to take advantage of was bringing on um, individuals who who are in the trenches doing the thing. And we got to go ahead and link up with John, who's out of Germany. And I'm not going to go ahead and ruin or spoil his intro because I'm going to let him do it. But uh, Matt, Matt is here with me as well. We'll be passing back the microphones and doing that good thing. So if you hear a little bit of music in the background or whatever else, just enjoy it. It is live and into it. So John, take it away, brother. Yeah, it's, uh, thanks for having me on here. And uh, it's, uh, it's been really good meeting you dudes this week. Um, you know, Matt, I haven't met you as much as George because uh, you know, we just haven't been around. It's been a busy time, but, um, you know, we're walking down the street the other day and this random dude walks up to me in a backpack and, you know, he's fairly clean cut and uh, just starts talking to me and offers me coffee. So we follow along <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was four days later and now we're doing a podcast together. <laughs> so uh, it's been a really good week and uh, I've met a lot of good people. We were just talking about, I think this TSAC has probably been most integrative feeling cool. uh, overall. You know, I've had uh, been in it for a while since 2014 on the tactical side, but it's really cool to uh, see the profession to continue to grow across police and fire and big army and different branches, et cetera, and uh, just to continue to meet new people and see where, see where people are taking it. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, dude. Was, you know, I'd like to go ahead and bring all the boys to the yard with free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it works every time. Sweet. Um, but no, dude, one thing I really wanted to dive down into was the fact that like we've talked about this on the, on the podcast in the past is we want to go ahead and, and bring guys that are doing the job and doing that thing and have them integrate into the community and, you know, have those conversations to let, you know, allow for us to, to you know, get your experience, your point of view from a 3000 all the way down to what we've been hearing this week is a three foot view, which is really different for me because it's, you're, if you're a static line jumper, you know it's automatically 13,000 foot view, or it is a 3,000 foot view. So to hear those go back and forth, but yeah. dude, so thank you very much for jumping on and having a podcast with us. Absolutely. Um, you, you have some time and some skin in the game as a strength conditioning coach in the tactical field, but you also have some skin in the game as well um, in the collegiate world as well as, correct. you yeah. know, and kind of want to open that up and what are those parallels that you've seen, you know, from the collegiate world into the tactical strength conditioning world? Yeah, so I got pulled out in 2014. I started in the collegiate game uh, in 2008, okay. 2009, and worked across D1 and Division three levels and got to see all that, and it was great. Um, but I always felt like there was a little bit something else out there I needed to take it in a different direction. Didn't know what that was. And uh, I actually had a really good buddy I played college football with and he somehow got in at the very beginning on the military side. And he told me, if there was ever an opportunity, don't even ask questions, just do it. Okay. And he was, a, he was collegiately, uh, collegiate strength coach prior to that. Um, so it was good. They started pulling on all these strength coaches on the performance side, which kind of gave an instant performance model to the tactical world. Um, but that also uh, made for a lot of instant growing pains because it's two completely different worlds. And... 
think you, it was an interesting mix at first. You were bringing good dudes to work with good dudes. Uh, but at the same time, you're bringing a lot of type A dudes to work with a lot of type A dudes. <laughs> uh, so that led to a little bit of struggle, but I think uh, everything's continued to grow and, you know, people want to learn at the end of the day and ultimately just get better. Uh, and as long as you can get some buy-in and some trust and, and all that. And fortunately at my unit, it's, it's pretty small. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're able to have a lot more personal encounters with guys and side conversations and just try to figure a little bit more of that uh, out. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, you're just trying to figure out people, uh, yeah. you know, from a, from a muscular standpoint or personality standpoint, if you can change something and move the needle, you're good. Um, but uh, it's been a long, uh, it's been a long transition. And I, I actually got an email from my ATC this morning and was like, hey, programs are going really well this week. And just give me nice. kind of a weekly update, which is great to hear. Uh, but sometimes I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And that yeah. was almost eight years ago. Yeah, I got into it, it. You know, it's funny, dude. We had dinner with uh, Mark uh, Brandon. I think I think I probably butchered his last name, but he's one of the head strength conditioning coaches down at the Air Force Special Warfare School down in Lackland Air Force Base. And that was funny. We were getting, we were finishing off, and it was like, man, how long have you been doing this game for? And he was like, bro, we've been doing this for like 18 to 20 years. And me and Matt look at each other, and I'm like, this is my 10 years into strength conditioning, right? Like, in the tactical conditioning world, it's been 10 years. You know, yeah. he came in as a, an instructor at the schoolhouse and doing that good thing. But it, it's interesting that the fact that you do talk about the people, the type A personality, and the buy-in in which that we have to look at when it comes to working with these individuals, especially if you haven't done the job. Right. And that was oh, a yeah. big conversation that we had yesterday was the fact that, you know, being able to create that buy in. And there was a story he gave us. And I don't want to ruin it too much because we're going to bring him on the show as well. Cool. But he talks about doing underwater crossovers on the 92nd mark with these dudes. Right. And they're like, well, Mark, you said if you ever do anything that you have to be able to do it, too. And he was like, here, hold my beer and jumps <laughs> in and does it, you know. So it's kind of one of those things where we had the same conversation when we first met when I lured you in with coffee. It was, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, what is it you're doing, you know, to go ahead and create that buy-in? And I think that's something that we're starting to find here is, one, strength coaches are saying that people are utilizing the softly programming, mm -hmm. right? And it's, and it's not that the programming is the programming. I think it's because of the fact that guys are seeing other guys be successful off of it, and they just want to follow in suit with those dudes. And I'm not saying that other strength coaches are not being successful with their training programs. It's just I'm not being told what to do, so possibly yeah. it might be that reason. So I'd like to kind of see where you're coming from because we did have that conversation as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, I wasn't familiar at all with soft fleet uh, coming from collegiate, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, we just didn't do that. And it was different perspective. And just like we, in our previous story to remain unnamed, you know, you're super clicky and you stay within your stuff and you do it and kids don't have a choice and it's all good. And, um, but when we get to the tactical realm, you know, dudes are smart. You're dealing with adults. You're not dealing with kids. I'm not saying college kids aren't smart. However, you know, you have some real life experience and it's a different population you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, they figure it out and they're trying to get every advantage they can to get better. And usually that's through all kinds of different programs. Uh, and you have to be ready. At first, I'll, I'll be 100 percent honest. I was super offended because I'm like, well, it's not mine. Yeah. Like, why would you? Why would you do that? Like, yeah. I thought I thought we liked each other. Yeah. You know? Why are you breaking my yeah. heart right now? <laughs> so I took it super personal. But at the end of the day, you can't, uh, you know, and as this world continues to grow and, and 
you know, game recognizes game type thing, you know, like it's like, man, there's clearly something out there uh, that the guys like. And then it's probably different than what I would do if you just handed me a blank sheet of paper and told me to write something down. Uh, but let's figure out, you know, why it's successful, um, why the guys like it. And let's see if I can impart some of that into my programming and start to kind of morph some stuff together. Uh, and, you know, we talked a little bit about, too, I think our my job particularly is twofold. One is to run a program that I was hired to run. You know, we have check boxes that we need to do um, through to acquire funding and staffing and make sure that we're doing what we need to do. Yeah. Uh, second, you know, and, and that includes training, right? Yeah. And so we do that. But the second fold is, I mean, we're subject matter experts, but it's also we're subject matter experts not only in training but also recognizing what's successful. So if you came yeah. to me. And we were having this conversation last night with some other strength coaches, and we really needed to develop a list of, hey, uh, if I came to you and I wanted X program for this, I need to know where to look for that. You know, I need to be a resource for that. And it could be equipment to, hey, where do I need to go for compression garments? This is a good company. Ignore everything else. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just to be a resource for the guys, too, because just because I might not do it or might not know it, there's somebody out there that does. So just kind of recognizing that. And also putting uh, names to faces, man. Uh, you yeah. know, that really helps break down everything. You know, you get to know a dude instead of just a imposing piece of paper, you know, yeah, or just, an app. that's not yours. And you're just like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Uh, it's, it's completely different, man. Yeah, it's really cool. Like you said, this is your first year here at TSAC where you found the idea of, like, integration, and it's not the good old boy club anymore. Yeah, I felt like when we was first starting out, it was so small, you know, that we just we clicked together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember back when we first started, like, uh, when we were, I can count probably on two hands however many people were in it. Dang. And uh, that I knew personally, you know, and that was the majority of what was coming out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I worked directly for one of the very first guys on the very first contract. So it's, it's not, wasn't a big world. And it was cool, you know, yeah. but it's also nice to, you know, I popped up to my friend uh, Kyle who's down in Savannah with a unit and he's telling me about this dude that's coming out with this research and I've never heard of it. So I was like writing it down to go down a rabbit hole later. So, you know, just to continue to expand and grow and kind of going back to that force multiplier concept that we talked about the other day, like not only are you trying to do that with your dudes, but you're ultimately trying to do that with your profession. That's pretty good. So a couple questions for you, Matt, thank you. Um, we're moving on. So, what does a job look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so uh, I'll get in uh, a little bit prior to 6. We open up. Uh, we have some open gym time from 6 to 7. And then, you know, each unit runs it a little bit differently, but we found this works pretty well. We get some open gym time. So if guys want to come in and kind of do their own stuff, they can. If they want to come in early and add some stuff, they can. Uh, we have two blocked-off training sessions that we will essentially run our block programming through at 7 and at 8, so they're done right at the beginning of the duty day and ideally doesn't interfere. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's pretty fluid. You know, I'd be lying if I said it was at 8 o'clock every day or 7 o'clock every day. Um, but, but, you know, just depend on what teams. And then we have open gym awesome. uh, from 9 to 1. <laughs> you know, and, and that's uh, – we get a lot of, you know, a lot of buy-in that way. Uh, guys like to do their own stuff. And again, you can't take it personally, because uh, I did for sure. It yeah. started, I still kind of do a little bit, depending, you know. You're like, it rubs me a little wrong yeah, a little yeah, bit. Like, you know, I mean, being that type A dude, it's yeah. like, man, I want to control this. But, you know, just kind of letting it go and just offer some, uh, some guidance where needed, yeah. maybe. Uh, but also, it's just a good touch point to walk up and just introduce yourself and just be like, hey, man, 
uh, like what you're doing. Let me know if you have any questions. Yeah. And you just let them do what they do. And usually that, that results in some pretty good follow-up questions, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we raise up the big bay doors and uh, just see if we can kind of lure people in. Maybe we need to start offering coffee, but it probably work. <laughs> I've just been handed the mic, sorry. Um, yeah, kind of. I guess it kind of lets them lets them know that you're like you're invested in them rather than like just wanting to, to run your own program and wanting it wanting it to be on your terms yeah. which I, I think like you kind of alluded to before is is hugely important yeah and i mean it was interesting because you know this has probably been a project going on about a year and a half now mm -hmm. and we really sat down as a staff and myself and, and uh specifically and i was like what am i really bad at and then it was basically came down to two things it was a mobility and aerobic development so then I sought out everything uh, resource-wise I could for that, you know. So I bought books on it, you know, linked up with some guys that wrote the book, like uh, the new Alpinism book that everybody's heard about. And I was like, well, I mean, if you want to learn aerobic, let's just shoot, let's go extreme with it. You know, went to an FRC course and learned about mobility and was super sore for a few days. Uh, but just basically just taking, like, I know strength and power, and I know that. Yeah. But... All the other stuff, the, the added components that I don't know are really the missing links that that's that may be why a dude fails a school and that's on me. Yeah. Dude, it's really cool that you do bring that point up about like training the new alpinism uh, and then training the uphill athlete. I love those guys to death. Scott Hill uh, or Scott Johnson and Steve House. Those guys are awesome. Killian Jornet. I've been really fortunate to kind of work with some individuals who have worked with them yeah. um, on the side, you know, like guys like Mark Twight. And, you know, when we go ahead and, and look at the aerobic system, you know, a lot of people do not realize how powerful that is for the tactical athlete. Yeah. And, and the reason why, just like you said, we're really good at training strength power. We're really good at getting guys really strong. But that's not just part of the job. Like, the yeah. job has a lot more to, to take into that. So when we go to look at the aerobic system, you're like, all right, hey, man, like, this is not only going to make you be successful at selection or you and your mission, but it's also going to carry over into your lifestyle and improve quality of life. And that's something that I don't believe that – I don't – I don't think those books talked a little bit about. I think it was a lot more from a research, you know, very scientific base and then application. So from theory to application mm -hmm. and something that we really found, especially from me, from, from my side of the house and our listeners knows like, you know, when I started getting into ultra endurance and improving that aerobic system, my quality of life just increased. You know, I had a conversation with Ryan Horn yesterday as well. Ryan Horn's over at a uh, first 75th Ranger battalion. He's a strength coach and he's been coaching for like 15 years. He was at wake forest for a, quite a while running the basketball yeah, team yeah. and uh and we were talking about that he was he right away went in there and he did the same exact thing you just mentioned hey what is it that i need to work on and then what is it these guys need to work on and that was it dude it was like that, that aerobic system piece but then it was also well once we start improving the aerobic system what comes after that Well, we start lowering cns tension which means you get guys to move better and it's cool so i would love to hear you talk about frc because that's something that i love yeah you know so it, I had a couple of friends take it and, uh, you know, good mobility and um, plus it got me a trip to London, which was cool. And then so we went to London for a couple of days right at the beginning of Corona. So Matt's hometown. Almost. Uh, we were a little nervous. We weren't going to make it back in for a minute, but, uh, <laughs> but it could be worse. Right. And then. Uh, but, yeah, we went up there and uh, had no expectation at all. I was just going to show up and just do it and just see. And it was awesome. It was a practical course. I would recommend it for anybody. Uh, the reason I like it, the way they really go behind and explain, it's much more than just stretching. And they talk about, you know, expanding at the joint level, and they really get into the weeds of it, which is super cool. Yeah. And you feel it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. 
uh, and it's almost like in my mind it was it was kind of like strength training. Like you're you're doing like some resistance stuff and pulling and you know and it's very visual. So like anything that adds a competitive component, that's like you know I need to see my foot or whatever move from point A to yep. point B. And that's kind of the same thing with the aerobic deal too. Like you give them a few pointers to like, hey, you need to hit this and we need to get your resting heart rate back to this level after work and like time that. And so let's see what that see looks what that like. recoverability like. What is, is what's your resting yeah. heart rate when you sleep at night? Like let's look at that trend, you know. But uh, but I loved FRC. It's really good. It's a hard sell sometimes for oh. dudes because they're like, why? I'm 25. Why do I need to do? That? I feel fine. You know. Well. It's really hard to explain, like, well, because, you know, everybody's had that conversation. Well, when you get to be my age, getting out of bed is just different. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but I'm not your age yet. So, like, I, it's still not computing to me. So, you know, there's been different layers of that and kind of how we sprinkle it in. And a lot of that's optional at the end, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of if you want to do it, you can. But we're going to incorporate some stuff kind of sneakily in there. Yep, yep. Uh, kind of more loaded versions of that. Yeah. it's You actually bring a very good point up. It's something that we've thrown into – softly programming quite a bit is is a lot of frc so if anybody doesn't know what frc stands for it's functional range conditioning and what they look at is a lot and it's, it's actually developed by a dr adreno spina uh, spina yeah. as i pronounce that last name i'm butchering it all the time but one thing i really loved the fact was strengthening end range in the joint right yeah. and then also learning how to move from the joint aspect because a lot of people don't realize like hey when I go ahead and do a hip circle, yeah. I'm not just moving a muscle or doing having that counter that counter movement or however you want to look at this short, this shortened, <laughs> strengthening, lengthening uh, muscle reflex. It's more of like, hey, we're focusing at the joint so we can create some movement. But at the same time, we're going to go ahead and add some strength in it because you never know when you take a knee with a heavy ass ruck on that it's not just a muscular aspect that is now coming from the joint aspect. So it, it's, it's really cool to hear that you're throwing that into the training programs for these guys because at the end of the day, what are we developing for these dudes? Resiliency and durability. And that's a big piece. Well, it's also too, like at the end of the day, you're trying to create range and then you're trying to control that range. And ultimately that's weightlifting, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? correct. So if, if we can create more range instead of looking at it like, oh, well, let's do a box or add squat shoes or whatever, like, well, let's look a little deeper and see if we can hit some ankle stuff or hip stuff or whatever. And then we'll go back and kind of do a test retest and see if yep. we can get you a little where you need to be. Yeah, like micro movement dic uh, dictates macro movement, right? Yeah, like that's absolutely. the big piece there. So, um, you know, what does the tactical strength conditioning coach, you know, need to look at next, right? Or are the condition like the 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 world, what do we need to look at next as we move on? You know, we can talk about the aerobic system. We can talk about how to yeah. pick a deadlift up. We can talk about how to do those things, but it goes a little bit further than that nowadays, especially with individuals as ourselves who have been doing this for quite a while, right? It's no longer about the performance aspect. Yeah. Like how many programs do you ultimately need to write if you have 10 years worth of programs? You, know? <laughs> so you can definitely look at that, but I think uh, the biggest link for, or biggest missing link rather for us is just the, uh, continuity and programming, uh, when they're home versus when they're not home and trying to figure that out. And, uh, I think, that's a little bit of an equipment and creativity issue. And I think it's a little bit of a lifestyle intervention issue. Um, and yeah, nothing's going to be perfect, but just to have that uh, continuity to where they, they miss minimal stuff. Because right now, like, I'll be honest, uh, we can do some things, but we need, we need to do better there. Yeah. And, and do you think, like, with, within that, do you include, like, prepping them for deployment and stuff in terms of when they're operating, when they haven't got kit? Like, like the same kind of mindset i don't think the mindset ever really needs to change that much you know because yeah. you still have an end goal and uh hopefully you have game day someday um 
and that kind of needs to ride in the back of your mind always. And that could be a school, you mm -hmm. know, but that's again, it's a long-term development thing. And sometimes it's really hard to understand, you know, what you're doing today and how that impacts decisions or things that might occur in three to four years. Yeah. So that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the mindset shift we're fighting now is that, you know, you get on a program for a week and then they're confused at why they're not better. And it's a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you see all this stuff, like all these quotes from Usain Bolt at the Olympics going on and how he trained for however many years and only ran, what, 10 times for a total of two and a half minutes, but he trained <laughs> 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And people don't, people don't understand that. Yeah. And I think people in the athletics world get that a little bit better. Uh, but that's a, I think that's a lesson that we're still kind of trying to get through and figure out our own twist of that. Uh, in the military community. Sure. Is that like, is that like an educational piece, do you think? Is I think that that's more that educational. And, and we've had the most success. Uh, instead, of, you know, at first it was like, well, let me explain the X's and O's behind this program and how that ties in, blah, blah, blah. They just kind of zone out. But, um, you know, I think just sitting down and having a conversation just and getting a little more personal and like, hey, man, what do you like, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. where are you going with this? Yeah. Like, how are you feeling right now? What's going on? And then usually open that door and it like, it opens up a little bit more and you can figure some stuff out, mm. but you know, it's a slow process. It's yeah, a one-on-one -on -one yeah. process when you're dealing with hundreds of dudes that rotate in and out. Uh, yeah. but that's what we're here for. Kind of, kind of like you were saying earlier, it's, it's almost like by maybe allowing them to, to kind of do their own thing a little bit, yeah. allows you to have that initial conversation and that yeah. gradually creates more traction. You can have more conversations and potentially more sway. Yeah. I mean, we from, had the conversation with guy the other day, he come in and he's a stud. Flat out, he's a stud. Like, I honestly probably don't even need to do a lot with him, but I selfishly want to. And, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, just give me two days. Yeah. Just give me two days a week. I got you. Rest of it, I don't care what you do. Yeah. I can add some more stuff for you, but just give me two days. So right now we're at six days a week, and he's doing really <laughs> nice. well. No, I mean, I think that, that's testament to yeah. the way you've, you've kind of approached it, because that yeah, could definitely I mean, have gone one way or the other. And just be humble and don't be scared to get called out. Because yeah. it's either going to make you super stubborn and stubborn and dig your heels in on what you truly believe, which is not bad, uh, or it's just going to make you question some stuff that you're not 100 percent on, which is also not bad. And I, but I think that's where people are super scared to go. Mm, yeah. You know, they they don't want to be wrong and they don't want to change. Yeah. Well, like you said, kind of type A big ego is kind yeah. of the, the yeah, stereotype absolutely. of our profession, I guess. Yeah. Going and going back to the buy-in, I think the the first thing I'd never even heard of what rucking was. Yeah. Ever. ever. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the first things that we did uh, when I went down to my previous unit, uh, when I was my first uh, foray into tactical, and one of the teams was like, hey, we're going on a ruck Friday. And I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> nice. So I think it was like 10 miles, and I'm also not a, was not a super aerobic dude at the time. So yeah, I was like, yeah. but you're not going to show it, right? But uh, that was my introduction into rucking, and I think like it was good just to do with the guys. And, but yeah. stuff like that and just kind of – you know, let them call you out. Let them question you a little bit. Uh, have a reason for you know for what you do. Like always explain the why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're not explaining the why, you might as well just not be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and then try to find opportunities like that where you can get in with the guys and feel what they feel and yeah. let them see you struggle a little bit and yeah, you know maybe drink a beer afterwards together and go from there. That's that's cool. I mean that that's kind of something I was I was going to ask like a little bit later, but we can we can kind of approach this now. So if you. With, with kind of your experience of, of coming across from, from collegiate, if there's, if there's anybody listening who's kind of thinking the same kind of thing, like I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing here, but actually kind of the, the tactical world looks really appealing. Yeah. Is, is there any sort of advice that you, you'd give them or any recommendations? In terms of getting into the tactical world or why well, you should do it? 
I guess some of that, but also like how how to make that like how to make that transition as smoothly as, as you've managed. Yeah. So uh, surround yourself with people that don't do what you do, and uh, you know find out about all facets because I think that's one of the hardest things, and it still is for me from the college world. So in college, you you weight room, and that's it, right? And we might condition a little bit, but usually it's here's the test that they have to pass in two months, prepare for that, and uh, but you didn't worry about probably 30% of what they did, right? Because then it was like, well, that's a sport coach issue, or I'm not, they, they do the conditioning, I'm not doing that. So yeah. like, if if those are the kind of comments you're making, that's the stuff you need to learn. Mm, that's uh, cool. And then you need to start learning how that all ties together and start talking to people that have been in it uh, for a long time. Because I mean, being in charge of every aspect of the program is still really hard for me, man. Uh, and looking at how days link together uh, beyond just a lifting standpoint. Yeah. Uh, kind of going into overall fatigue and lifestyle stuff, but uh, yeah, I feel like I still have no idea what I'm doing, and that was eight, seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's why you talk to, you know, that's that's why you talk to guys like you or read read books about mountaineering that you're like, why am I reading this? And then you start putting together, <laughs> you know, some uh, some points that really help you. But apart from that, it's it's the most rewarding job ever. Uh, it's super good. You can have a genuine conversation with a dude. You're dealing with a population that loves to train and crush it. And then at the end of the day, you can you can have a bread, you know, or a beer and kind of break bread together. And like, it's it's a community, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, you bring a good point up. Like, guys like to train. Yeah. We fucking know that. Like, dudes love to get after it. And I think it's the difference when you just mentioned, like, fatigue management. It's now having that conversation where it's like, hey, man, like, we need to go ahead and have you recover so that you can go ahead and be ready for the next training exercise, the next mission. And that's kind of one of those things where it goes into the the next conversation that actually it's a question I have for you too is okay. what does that look like for you when you go ahead and have to tell these guys, hey man, like you just got off a two-day training mission, you're in the mountains for however long. What does that look like when you go ahead and have that conversation and training to where you get them bought in? Because again, telling someone that just came out of the the field to be like, hey, look, we're not going to crush you in the gym today. Yeah. We're going to recover a little bit, have a regeneration phase, and then yeah. let's get after it. What does that look like on your end when you're having those conversations? Um, it's a tough one, man. Uh, you know, people are just, you know, kind of resistant a little bit, but, you know, kind of not them trying to sell FRC or anything, but stuff like, I think that's where you have to get sneaky with things like that. And it's like, hey, we can go in and like, you can feel like it's hard, but, you know, it's regenerative. Uh, you know, as long as they feel like it's hard and they feel like it was a worthy session, they're usually okay and they won't question it, right? So if we can come Nailed in it. and do like a really good, like intense, like stretch session, stretch mobility type session, or maybe that's a cognitive performance day and we try to stress them on a different end of the continuum and they still go out and they feel like a little bit of mental fatigue and, you know, you can do some low level stuff and get them sweaty. But again, it, as long as you're keeping them busy and it's difficult for them, uh, and usually giving them goals is really easy. And I think that's one of the perks of uh, all the technology we're seeing now is that it gives very clear goals and directions of, hey, I need you to hit that number. Or yeah. that needs to get better before we can train. Yeah. Or do X, Y, Z. And we had that conversation with a couple of guys the other day. And we were looking at some force plate data and trying to figure out you know, how we can better utilize that and just drive some suggestions toward training on kind of where we need to skew training a little bit. Uh, and we had that, we have this guy that wants to do these super advanced plyometrics, but probably can't jump six inches off the ground. And then, um, so that, that's, you know, it's, 
can't just flat out tell him no because then he's going to go do it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you point out to a screen and it's like, hey, here's your number. Here's where it needs to be. As soon as it hits this, we will we'll get it. Yeah. So, you know, that's conversations like that are good and uh, usually pretty successful. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that you do come from the even though you say you don't know what you're doing. It's like you have an understanding of the human being and behavior science, it sounds like. Meaning, yeah, I came at it from a little bit different angle. So I don't think we talked about this, but because you're getting your master, bachelor's, bachelor's sports, sports psychology. Psych, right? yeah. So um, I was a terrible student my freshman year in college, and I walked away with a 1.6 GPA because oh. I thought I was going to do biology and all this stuff. Right. And uh, so then I figured out very quickly that wasn't meant for me. And then the direction my parents gave me were, well, just take a bunch of classes and figure out what you like and just do that. Like, don't That's worry fucking about what super it is. cool, bro. You know, like I was just like, okay, you know, holy shit. <laughs> so I took a bunch of classes and actually locked uh, locked into psychology. So I got my bachelor's in psychology. There it is. And then uh, that was super interesting, but I wanted to kind of pull it back into sports. So I actually got my master's in sports psychology. Um, so I felt like I started a little bit behind the game on the exercise science part. Uh, but from a practical standpoint, playing college football and doing all that, I've been in a weight room long enough where I got it, exactly. you know, but uh, so it's a little bit different angle. So I think some of that comes a little bit more natural to me where I'm OK approaching it from uh, from a little bit different angle. Yeah. Are you doing any kind of like needs assessments, um, personality assessments with these dudes when they come in and work with you so that you have a better understanding how to talk with them? We do. We actually started doing that. We pulled a lot out of uh, the. Uh, conscious coaching a few years ago as a staff. So we as a staff took that so we knew how to better approach each other because we were running into some issues and there's no like uh, ill will on anyone's part. But, you know, if I don't know how to approach Matt on a certain issue, I'm going to come full send type A and just be like, hey, bro. <laughs> and, you know, that that did not work at least half the time, right? So we had to figure that out as a staff so we could operate smoother. And then that started to kind of transcend some of the guys. And we started doing that uh, on some smaller scale stuff with some different selections and things where it's a little more intimate training. So I know kind of how to, you know, what are your buttons? What are the good ones to press? What are the bad ones to press? And so it's slowly grown. Um, and we try to do it. And I have a, a full file folder. And just like Nate Palin was talking about yesterday, you know, you can't, really dictate something by a profile you have to be careful there but it's going to give you some pretty good direction on this guy responds well to getting yelled at or hyped up and this guy responds well to getting pulled over to the side and just a nice visual cue and just kind of really low mellow not over the uh, top loud talking and then you just let him do it yeah. Uh, so little stuff like that's been super helpful yeah it's, it's cool that Nate Palin did kind of bring out that whole aspect of the human element because it is it is one of those things that, you know, we are really big here at Softly with is really taking taking the approach of the human first. Yeah. And something I had to realize really quickly at the schoolhouse as an instructor was that some of these guys, you know, they'll shut off right away. And, oh, yeah. And you're trying to get them to, you know, one, learn how to land nav. Or you're getting them to learn how to, you know, do some kind of knots underwater. Or you're, you're, you're trying to have them learn the skill, but they're frustrated, they're overwhelmed, and you're just trying to make it happen. They just don't know how to do it. And then... Exactly right. When we go to look at the arousal, the the, the youth, the youth theory, and inverted the youth theory, we then push them past or below it, and it's trying to find one how to open that door and how to get them there. So it sounds like it. It's really cool that you do have a, a psychology degree, yeah. Um, because you do understand that you know for the human brain to actually make a connection, it needs an association to it. Yeah. Right. And 
you, you always try to pull it in. Yeah, and I mean, it's different for everybody, right? Like, I mean, we still have teams that nobody wants to be not a high performer. So and then they get in with their team and, you know, they're kind of forced into situations sometimes, usually self-induced. Um, but the biggest thing, it's kind of crazy. Like, there's people that have never weightlifted before. You know what I mean? And, like, they come in, like, super intimidated, but, like, obligated to do it because their dudes are doing it. And just being able to recognize situations like that. And we've had one happen like that pretty recently and um, just approach that completely differently. At the end of the day, you know, you're just trying to get them better at, your, at their job. And if they're already good at their job, there's probably – there's arguably less you need to do. You know, you just kind of got to – keep them healthy and just kind of slowly move the needle and kind of think of that as a three to four year process. But, and that way you're not throwing too much at them. I mean, it kind of goes back to something you were, you were talking about before in terms of the, maybe the contrast with the collegiate setting where, where relatively you have less variables, like the, the guys coming through are maybe training for a specific sport or a specific event. They're all roughly the same kind of age. They've all had roughly similar, I would guess, life experiences up to, up to that point. Whereas like, the the i guess the demographic if you like is is potentially way more diverse with with your yeah. guys um yeah even on the same team right you're going to have really young dudes coming out of the course that are in their young low to mid 20s and then you're going to have chiefs and team sergeants that are in their 40s yeah like you don't do that i mean that would be like taking a college football team and taking incoming freshmen and trying to throw some of the staff on the same session. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know? so, so that's that's something I wouldn't mind getting into a little bit. We've been we've been playing around with this with this idea of of kind of splitting, if, if you like, the the tactical professional population into into sort of five broad phases. Mm -hmm. So rather than just directing all our attention and our focus to to active duty guys who are kicking in the door who are who are doing the what we what we kind of naturally associate with fire, mm -hmm. law enforcement, or police, kind of considering the other the 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 extremes of the spectrum. So looking at the guys who are um, sort of civilian transitioning to recruit, but then almost more importantly, because I think there's less, there's less attention on this, the guys that are kind of drifting from, from doing the role up into like an admin leadership role. And then from there, the kind of the transition into retirement, yep. because we've, we've kind of seeing that as a bit of a hole in, in kind of the, the community that's not really being addressed. Yeah, it's not, and it's tough. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was just going to sort of area, pick your brain on that. See so if there's anything we can we can learn from your like what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I don't have. I mean, I know I personally, you know, on a smaller scale, like when you stop playing sports and that's all you've known for twenty, whatever years, like that's super. Like that can lead to some super questionable dark spaces, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's pretty similar, but I think just you know, constantly motivating guys to find new avenues to push themselves, and you know. As a strength coach, you selfishly want to you want everybody under the bar and and moving stuff and throwing things, but you know just trying to find what you know what motivates you because if it motivates you for longevity, then do that and do yeah. it like do it really well. Yeah. And then just let's you know let's find a project and work on it together. And we actually had that conversation with what that looks like for people that aren't operational mm -hmm. that want to have really good training goals. Yeah, yeah. You know, like how far do we need to branch out to do that? And the answer is we do. You know, and we need to provide some guidance, but I think that goes back to, well, now we have awesome resource. Like, I don't per se do that. Uh, it's a little bit outside my scope. Look here. Uh, but just trying to find just different avenues and be super creative, you know, and yeah, usually it's kind of weird. Like, usually the, the older people get is they transition out. 
Um, it kind of shifts more towards like the cognitive stuff and kind of like the soft science things, you know, and that's super interesting to them because I think they've been through some stuff and, uh, you know, experienced it like emotionally or physically even and trying to figure that out. And so that's kind of pushed me as a coach to like, all right, well, now I got to write a program on that, you know, yeah, and try yeah. to figure that out. But that kind of stuff's worked pretty well for us. Yeah, nice. that's really good to hear. Uh, again, kind of nice to nice to hear that we're, we're probably kind of sharing a similar yeah. a similar kind of direction on, on things, yeah, which absolutely. Is, is really cool. Another big thing I do want to talk about is the idea of mentorship, yeah. right? So a lot of the conversations we had this week has been like, how do we go ahead and help the strength coach transitioning into the tactical strength conditioning world? Guys like yourself, what are, what are three key points you would give guys coming from the collegiate world into the tactical strength world? Um, and, you know, mentorship-wise, are, are, you, are you looking to do stuff like that in the future to help these guys, you know, come over? And I, I know it's hard because these guys are type A personalities who've come collegiate programs who are like, my program works X, Y, and Z, and this is why I'm going to do it. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I mean, if they're super type A, like that, that might be a little bit of a battle, man. Uh, and, you know, we've had some of that, but, you know, I think the biggest thing coming over is, uh, and I think most of the guys that are already mentally switching over get it, um, and just be humble and ask questions, man. And like, you're entering a new arena and you're a high performer and so are they, but it's two different ends of the spectrum. Uh, you know, every strength coach has been in there, you know, you start out and you're like, well, I'm a football guy, but I also do this sport. And then you go to that sport and then you're super humbled if they ask you to kind of pitch in and. Uh, you know, my wife played field hockey, and uh, unfortunately, my amateur field hockey career didn't last very long. <laughs> uh, but just, you know, exposing yourself to different things and uh, always being humble and asking questions, I think that's a big one. I think one of the things we need to work better on is uh, in the profession, and I think there's some of that going on, is just getting them early. Yeah. You know, and like getting kids that are, oh, well, this is an option, because before it wasn't. Yeah. And then, you know, how do we address that better? and get some high school kids or some college kids and help them out with some school credits and some practical application. We've been fortunate enough to do a couple of those. Cool. Uh, and I, I think we need to get a little bit better at trying to figure out ways to uh, kind of start from the ground up model. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's ultimately how it's going to grow. Yeah. It, you actually answered my second question I was going to ask on top of that was like, do we, do you feel that we need to start getting kids from the college world and just like start introducing them to the tactical strength world? Well, I think it needs yeah. to be, uh, it just needs to be known that this is an option. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and they can make their own decision, but, you know, it's it's just a different system. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I love it. Uh, it's, you know, some people might not, but it's at least an option because if you don't know about it and then you just, you know, if you follow one track for five, ten years and it's going to be the longer you're in that, the harder it's going to be to pull yeah. out. But, um, you know, a lot of different systems work, but if you don't know about it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, dude. I, I guess the overarching thing for this is that, you know, as a strength conditioning coach, you have to be very multifaceted, especially when you want to come into the tactical strength conditioning world. Absolutely. We're going to start wrapping it up here just as the coffee shop's getting busy and we're getting ready to start to head down to our conferences and we have a bunch of lectures today, which is the last day. Yeah. But dude, John, thank you so much for your time today, man. And, and yeah. sitting down and having this conversation with us, man. No, it's really good to be on. I it's awesome, it. dude. Yeah. Um, as for the listeners, if anybody wants to reach out to you or have any questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I guess the easiest would probably be uh, email, actually. Uh, cool. You know, it's uh, M-A-C-K-E-R-J-C at gmail.com. Sweet. Um, you know, nothing fancy there. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I do nothing exciting except random hiking pics and a lot of kid pics. 
But if you want to reach out to me on that, it's M underscore stronger uh, on Instagram. Um, yeah. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, until next time, thank you for listening.